You're listening to a podcast of This Positive Life, the Body.com's growing collection of first-person stories from people living with HIV. Welcome back, Esmeralda, to TheBody.com. Thank you so much Thanks. for talking with me. It's great to be back again. You were diagnosed with HIV in 1998, is that right? Yes, that's correct. How old were you then? I was 25. How old are you now? I'm 37. How has your health been since back in 98? It's really great. It's perfect. I don't have no complaints at all. That time I, I was no sick, you know, from HIV or anything like that. But I was sick and scared by the diagnostic by itself. It's so terrible. You feel sick. You get sick. Like, I get sick for anything. I was thinking it's because... It was the HIV and it was depressed. So it was because of stress, basically. Your yeah, body was feeling the stress of having to speak that. Exactly. And to know what exactly this was. But at that time, we always think it was um, that sentence. Uh, like, I have a few months, few days, I don't know how long. It was more than anything, it was that. Now it's uh, quite a while, and I learn how to live with this and how to deal with all this. So and trying to live and live good, live normal more than anything. This doesn't want to stop me, you know. <laughs> How long after you were diagnosed did you feel sick with the stress from being diagnosed? Uh, it, it took me a while because uh, I wasn't coming out at all. Don't talk to anybody. feel like everybody is looking at me, nor is like what I have. It took me a couple of more years to become more normal and, and start to live, you know, like, okay, this person knows, this person didn't know, and, and stuff, and, and then start going to support groups and meeting other people with the same problems. I can see people like before they don't have medicine, and they're alive, and now we have a little more choices, so we can try to live. Also, I have my children, and I see nobody around them, nobody to look after them, so I decide you know, no matter what, that I have to live a normal life for my children. There's no other way. But it took me a couple of years or more. It's been a while. How did you find the first support group that you went to? The social worker I used to go, uh, you know, in my clinic, she told me, oh, we have meeting, we meeting in other people and over here. And at the beginning, I don't want to see anybody. And then one day I decided to go to see what it was. And, and I just meet great people, like, supporting me and my children and hugging me and telling me, you know, alone. And they made me feel great. And I was living with some relatives and they had the issues around what I eat, don't leave my dishes anywhere. It was a little hard for that. And when I started talking to them and they treat me like family and support me and, and these people like they said these people are great you know like having the same problem and it was incredible when you were first interviewed your job was you cleaned houses full-time and you were also going to school and you had started yeah. volunteering with world in oakland with world. yeah i was cleaning houses by myself and i was Yes, doing volunteer here at World uh, Clinica de la Raza and stuff like that, learning a lot and going to school. And then I was working in my 
legal papers over here in the, in the United States because I'm from Mexico. My green card took me a while to finish that, and that happened in 2008. And I get my green card, my residency over here. So we spent some time in Mexico with my kid, like four months. We went over there, and it was great. Go back to Mexico, take my kids over there. Where did you stay when you went to Mexico? I had my parents in Mexico. So we stayed with my parents for, for some time with a sister, with another sister. I had two sisters down there, too. It was a really great experience for my children to go visit, meet their grandparents and their cousins and aunties. They love it. They say, we want to stay here. <laughs> it was in 2008. Then when I came back, it was an open job from World, one of the agencies who helped me where I meet more women and... I have a peer advocate over here at World who helped me out to show me the ways to school, to to do volunteer jobs, to learn to speak with agencies, as providers, and then I get a job at the end of 2008 over here at World. I really like it, really love, because it gave me the opportunity to help other women who just get the diagnosis and to tell them I've been there and I pass it and then I'm here and I love my job, what I do. I keep having new clients who says no, no, like, okay, great, because people keep getting infected, so that's not good, but I'm here to help them and then uh, that made me feel great. Can you describe some of the work that World does? Is it common that people start out volunteering there and end up working there as peer advocates as well? We have the the Lotus Project. It's a project who does training for positive women to become peer advocates, to advocate for themselves and help another women. We do it over here, the peer advocate. We work together with the hospitals or with the clinics and with social workers, and we meet the women and make them feel comfortable. Sometimes they tell more stuff to us than to a social work or a doctor. They get in comfortable with us because we disclose to them, and they say, oh, you want to ask, you feel what I feel, and they open to you, and that's, that's great. They, they help a person to come out and to tell them, I've been there, and this happened, and this happened, and you can be just fine. And they go, okay, if you can do it, I can do it. It's one of the things we do over here at World. Has working with World helped you to be more open about your HIV status? Yeah, it, it is. I can talk to most. I don't really, like, go open in public or on television or with my name and my face. I don't do it because uh, it's still a, a lot of stigma around. I do for my kids because uh, the stigma in school, they start telling kids, oh, you this, my kids, they know. And some they hear comments about, oh, people with HIV. And one of my daughters is Sapphire. She said she comes out and Sapphire, if you know what you're talking about, just don't talk. And she starts talking about it because she knows baby and groups and, and they learn about it. And it's what I don't come really open to the public because I don't want my kids 
have a hard time in school. It sounds like she really knows a lot yeah, about HIV. exactly. The other day she was doing an essay about HIV and medication, and I read all her. She was doing it on the computer. She typed it all, and I read it. It was excellent. It was like, yes, yes, the, what we read over here, what the magazine we do over here. She learns, she, she, she knows what she's talking about. That's great, because that would work they can protect themselves too. How old is your daughter? She's 13. And how old is your other child? She's 12. They're really close in age, those two. Are they good friends? They have good times and bad times. Sometimes they're talking like a really good friend, talking about music, about movies, about all this and this. Sometimes you just hear them fighting for no reason. How did you tell your kids that you were HIV positive? How long have they known? There was around eight, nine-year-old one day when we told them. I think it was time I always been with them. I always take it with me when I go to groups, and I always take my pills in front of them. I never hide anything from them, but they don't know what I was taking medicines for or the groups I go, we go out to the support groups and sometimes doctors explaining about HIV, about medicine and stuff like that. They hear, they learn. They never come to me and ask anything about why I go to this group. I have a friend who have a child who's positive. They tell their story on television. So they saw that and then they saw the little friend who used to play with them, who's HIV positive. They telling her story, her mom telling her story, not showing her face, but they recognize. And then we sit with them and talk to them and explain what it is, and you never make anybody feel bad because they have this condition. And then as one what I, we tell them that I have this condition, and when we tell them that their father died from this condition. When they start more put attention to, you know, when we go to the group, so we see something on TV, they start reading about it, and then asking questions more often. They take it great. They have questions we answer according to the question they ask. From now on, they have no problem with none of this, with HIV or AIDS. Your two kids, one is a teenager and one is almost a teenager. What's it like having kids that age and also at any age and being HIV positive? It's hard, I believe. <laughs> I think it's just uh, like any other person. We have to look after them. They they come in teenagers. They come with sometimes with a little different attitude and they think they know a lot. <laughs> so... And it's to take the time to sit with them and talk to them and calm them down. And but I think it's just normal as a person who doesn't have HIV. I think it's no difference at all. Teenagers is difficult age for them. But I don't think make a difference. <laughs> One of the things is I talk to them more open and clear about look after themselves, take care of themselves, and it can happen to anybody. So I think it's more easy to tell them 
take care of yourselves and protect yourselves when your time comes. I think there's a door open there to speak with them. So when you say when the time comes, you mean the time comes for them to have sex and be sexually active? Exactly. And when they grow up, they'll probably think more about it because they know what it is and they live in it. Probably they can be hope more careful, you know, more conscious about it. You have two children, but I think that you have some new news. Do, yeah. do you want to share that with our listeners and readers? Yeah, I I have two children, just like, and I have in a, another children. So I'm I'm pregnant more than six months already. So I'll be having a baby, new baby in June. Everybody's excited, even the children in the house. They're really excited, like, oh, we're waiting for him. You know, we're really excited. We're just waiting to come out. <laughs> and it's coming up soon, too. That's exciting. When you had your first two children, you didn't know you were HIV positive. Is that right? No, I don't know. I was when I had my first child, and then a while later, my husband started getting sick, and, and he gets sick and sick and we never knew what it was. When he gets sicker, we took it to the big city, the capital, and his brother took him and they found out that he was having AIDS and he was really advanced and they say it was it's nothing to do about it anymore. And he died in the, in the hospital. They, I wasn't able to come to stay in the hospital with him. They don't let me come in with my baby and I was so breastfeeding my little one. When they bring him back, he was dead already in the box. It was really, really hard for me. Really, really difficult time. When we buried him, the family told me this is what he died from. It was really, really shocking for me. Like, how this is happening? What this is? Even I don't have done any tests or anything like that. I was sure I was having it. I was feeling sick already <laughs> from it. <laughs> so, and then later, like, four months later, I found out I was pregnant. It was a really difficult time, too, because if I have these infections, how am I want to look after my children? Or how, you know, my children want to become sick, too, and I start breastfeeding my baby. And then, earlier, finding out that I was pregnant. He was not what I might want to do. I have HIV. My daughter probably has HIV already. And I'm having a baby with HIV. I was, yes, ready to die. I just want to die. And uh, those moments, it's just too much. I just can't live with this. I was in Mexico, and family from my husband's side say, maybe if you come over here, we can help you with the baby, you know, at least if you get sick or whatever, we can help you over here. So I wasn't having any support from, from no one. So and then I decided to come over here. So I came over here to California. Then is what I found out I was pregnant. So it was really difficult time. And my sister-in-law said, we should arrange for you to have an abortion. And I don't like the idea. And I say, if his baby's sick or whatever, he's going to die anyway. I'm dying myself. What's the point <laughs> to have an abortion? And I went to the doctors, and they gave me the 
positive results and then say, your baby can come fine if you stop taking this medicine. And so I started taking medicines to protect the baby from getting HIV. But still my worries about my daughter because I breastfeed her. She was already one year old. So we take her for a test too and it came negative. And they say, is one year old and the test is negative. So it's a great chance she don't have it when it's a year and a half old. So if we have another test done, if that test became negative, that, that means she's fine. That gave me a lot of hope. Everything came fine. Both are negative, both are great, both are healthy. And both are big now and both troublemakers. <laughs> now having a baby conscious, you want to be fine. I have a two fine already. This can be fine. And I've been looking after myself and everything. I've been, I've been taking care. So this baby is going to become fine too. So it's great. I'm not that worried or that scary anymore because I know it's going to come okay. It's going to be okay. I'm doing everything I have to do to do that can be fine. What do you have to do? Are you taking different medications now that you're pregnant than you were before? It's the same medication, you know, from before. It's different medication for my first baby. I'm on this medication for seven, eight years. Which medication? I'm taking Epsicon, Retas, and Norbir. The doctor said I don't have to change. I talked to my doctor. Me and my husband, we want to have a baby. And then the doctor says, fine, you can go ahead. And he says that the medications that you're taking right now, we don't have to change it. This medication is fine. It's as a, as a medication will be a, a woman when, when we wants to get pregnant or when a woman is pregnant. So it doesn't affect the baby. And it's a medication who protect the baby too. And it's working. <laughs> is there anything that you wish you'd known when you were younger and your children were younger and you were raising them that you know now as you go into raising this new little baby? It's a lot of things you learn along the way. It's amazing you know, stuff you can keep learning. I have my first baby, yes, I have it. Now I know a lot of more stuff, like the baby can listen in, in the stomach if you talk to him. If, when it's born, you can talk to him and read to him. And I don't know, nothing, you know, before. <laughs> I was really scared at that time having a baby and being HIV. And now I decide to have a baby and have an HIV. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of difference. Do you have any advice for an HIV-positive woman who might want to have a baby? Yes, to go with the doctor and tell them I want to have a baby and get ready. Don't be afraid. Baby can be great. I'm having a baby, and many of my clients say, oh, I want to have a baby. Also, I have a, many women who are pregnant who have the babies already are healthy. I just been in a sick section last year in August. The baby's really beautiful now. <laughs> the woman, she asked me, I want you to be in with me in the sick section. So I'm the one who, with her taking pictures, receiving the baby. And that was a great experience for me. That's amazing. And baby's perfect. There's no difference HIV person having a baby than a normal person. The baby can come fine. So and I'm having a few other clients who are having a baby, and and also I have a, many who come to me and ask me, I want to have a baby. How you do it? Give the advice to, yes, 
doctor's doctor, if you indetectable, if you fine with your medicines, yes, talk to your doctor and say, I want to get pregnant and, and get pregnant <laughs> and have a baby and have a great life. You mentioned that you were in Mexico in 2008 and you were hanging out with your parents and your aunts and uncles and everything. Have mm -hmm. they come around to being more supportive of you now that you're married and do they know that you're HIV positive? What's been your relationship with them uh, around HIV? When my partner died, I left and I don't have really contact with them and then we I stopped calling them when they come fine with me and then I meet a person over here and get married again and <laughs> I don't tell them. <laughs> I talk to them Every weekend, I give them a call my, to my parents to see how they're doing. And then when I get a boyfriend, I don't tell them. But my sister, when she lives uh, here now, she told them. They never say anything to me anymore. So they ask me, how am I doing and how's my partner doing? So they came find When we went visit them, my husband came with me. They really like him, and even he don't speak Spanish, and they don't understand to, <laughs> to each other. They have a really good connection, and they really accept him, and they really like him, and they're fine with him. But they don't know that I have HIV. I don't want to tell them because I want them to see me the way I am and healthy, and I don't have health problems because it's the way I feel. And I don't want to give them something to worry about it because I'm doing fine. So I just tell them I'm fine. They're big now, 70, 69 year old. If I tell them, I have to explain them many, many stuff to something they don't understand. So I just want to live it like that. I don't think they need to know. It sounds like if you tell them you have HIV, they'll just think you're sick. So uh -huh. may as well they just see that you're healthy. And yeah. not have to imagine that you're sick when you're doing fine. Yeah. You know, in Mexico, it's a lot of racism about people with HIV and discrimination. It's no easy. I don't talk to nobody over there about it. I can talk to a person who never want to understand. Why should I argue or why should I explain to somebody who's never going to understand? Switching back now to your husband, how did you meet him and when did you get married? I met him like uh, eight, nine years ago. I was taking my son to school. My husband was working in a elementary school and I was taking my son to a preschool. Almost every day we'd meet in the way. We have the same way to go. <laughs> and then one day he say hi, he say hello. And, yeah, we say hello, and we say hi, just like that. And then my son, you know, he just meets him. Oh, we have a pussy side to the street. And, and my son says, let's, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I don't want to talk to nobody. And my son says, hello, and scream to the other side <laughs> to see him. <laughs> he was about to be in May or something, May, June. He said, oh, my semester is about to end. We... I won't be here anymore. My son he was to year-round school, but it was about to end. So he approached me, said, "We wanna see each other," and we start talking. He asked me for 
my name and my phone number and maybe to call me sometime. I wasn't sure about it, so I give it another name. <laughs> I write down my phone number and like really bad writing to maybe he don't understand because I wasn't sure like yes a person you meet on the street. <laughs> I wasn't sure. He called me and I wasn't too good at English and that time still I I understand a lot of it. I wasn't speaking at all. Just a few words, uh, basic stuff, but not to have a big conversation with somebody. So sometimes he called me and he said, oh, this and then English, and and I, I don't want to speak too much because I don't want to expose myself. So he's playing in different ways for me to understand. He came a friend with my children. He, he was able to speak with them because they in school and they speak in English fine. I became friends with them, with me, and that's the way we met. It took me a while to tell them what I was. He started asking me if we can have a relation. I said, no, I'm not, I'm not looking for a relationship because I'm just focused to raise my children. And he said, I can help you. I said, no, I can do it myself. <laughs> I don't want to just to disclose him. So in one day I he said to me, why are you acting like that? And I explained, no, I'm not, I'm not ready to, I'm not looking for a relation. I don't want to have a relation. And I have my children, so I need to look after them. I cannot have no more children. If you're single, you might want to have other children. And, and he said, if you can have any more, you have to already. And and I, I still say no, and then I start explaining to him I have a problem, I have a partner who died, and wasn't over about it. And then one day, just tell them because this is this keep going, and the, my children are getting too close to him, play with him, and asking for him when he doesn't come, when he don't busy or he don't call. The children was asking for him. But I tell him what I, what I have, but I don't tell him just to stay with me or anything, just to make him leave, you know. <laughs> it was my belief, you know, to make him leave and stop the game. <laughs> so, and I disclosed him. He said, why you don't tell me before? Why you don't tell me? Because this is something I don't just go and tell anybody, you know. I said, yeah, but we know each other for a while. I say, you know, Sometimes we can live a life with a person and we never know exactly how this person want to react to something. So it's better not to expose myself. He came really supportive with me and said, this is in the, in the world we have. We have to take care of ourselves even if we know the person have it or the person doesn't have it. It's part of the, us that we have to take care of ourselves. Then he tried to have a relationship together. I was still kind of want it, kind of don't want it. still scaring how this person can accept you with this. He's negative. It took a while, but we've been seven years together, living together, and it's been great, and it's been really supported with me and with my children. He had a really great relation with my kids. They don't have another father, you know. They always t- t- 
talk to him about call his name, but they talking about him with anybody, they always say my dad. And it's what it's been for them. And he never says himself, my stepchildren or stuff. He always says, my children. Even now, we having one child together. He never says it's my first child. He never says that. He helps tremendously with my children. He's focused on them, having them to have good education. He takes the time with them. He has the patience to spend an hour, two hours talking to them, and they listen to him. I feel so blessed, and I think I have perfect life, great kids, great partner. I don't think I can ask for anything else. One yeah. question regarding your partner. When you were trying to get pregnant, did you or him have any worries that he would become HIV positive? Did you take any kind of precautions? Yeah, we take some precautions, and then also the doctor explained to us, like, it's, he's safe because I'm always being undetectable. So and my T-cells always been really high, above 800. We take care of ourselves, but he, he never been, oh, he's never like, oh, mama, you know, am I going to get, we take care, we took the care is necessary, but he's not scared or anything like that. So the doctor said we can use the syringe, and also we can do it natural. It depends me on and him. Or more him, you know. Like he says, if it's safe if you do it normal. So yes, take it easy, take care, and do it normal. So it sounds like you have a very good relationship with your doctor because you were able to talk about wanting to have a baby and to talk mm-hmm. about a lot of different things. How did you find your doctor? I haven't my doctor for uh, many years, nine years, and then I have to switch a doctor because when I was doing my paperwork, my green card and all, it requires you have full cover insurance. I have to switch a doctor who take the full insurance that I was required. So I went to a hospital and talked to a social worker and I said, I'm looking for a doctor who's a specialist in HIV. She says, oh, we have this. I just a woman on the website. And she says, she's really good, but she's really busy. But we have this one, and it's, uh, it's a really, really good doctor. Why do you think about him? So I tell her, if you say it's really good, let's give it a try. <laughs> and it, that that been great. I was really scared because I don't like to switch doctors and stuff like that. So, and I was been for, for a while with one. And I met him, and the first time he really took the time to talk to me and listen to me and ask questions. He became fine, and I like him. I'm happy. I'm happy with him. It's not easy. I never want to switch doctors so easy. So I, when I guess one, I like it, so I'll try to keep it. A couple of doctors through all the years I had to be with this. So a great doctors. They always get me in good health, so that's great. How long yeah. have you been with this new doctor? About two years, I believe. 
How yes. do you keep healthy besides taking medications? Do you exercise or do you eat certain things or take vitamins? Sometimes I take vitamins. Vitamins always help. Just keep a normal life. I, I'm an active person, so I do exercise. I don't go to the gym, but I walk. I don't try to do too much stuff in cars, and so I walk a lot. Don't think about it, and yes, when it's time to take my medicine, just throw it in my mouth, drink water, and that's it. Don't think, don't think what it is for, and just take it, and don't think about it. it's a medicine. Yeah, and don't think about it, what I have, you know, I just keep healthy and keep working, and and I think it's part of being okay with yourself and being happy and trying to be positive, and it's what is about it. I've been thinking about any, oh, I'm sick, or I always say, I'm not sick, or I don't have anything, I just, I'm normal as anybody. Where do you live now, and what's the community like around where you live? I live over here in Oakland, California. It's a lot of different, and where I live is a lot of around Latino people, Chinese people, black people. It's mixed, and it's great made every type of people, and I work around many different nationalities, and you learn a lot, and it's the community where I live, I think, is good, too. It's... <laughs> Has everything, you know, has bad and good things, they always take the good things. Can so, you talk a little bit about your work with the Latino community and what you think are some of the most important issues that you face in your work that need to be fixed in the Latino community in the U.S.? We need to teach the women about it and how to look after themselves because Latino women, it's not easy. They have legal problems, immigration problems, sometimes... Uh, domestic violence and you need to work around them and work with them and how to take care of themselves. Many of the things they have to do, they don't speak English. It's hard to find a doctor who speaks their language that make it a little bit hard for them. The language, the culture and all that. I have to work around that, and but but it's great. You talk to them and see you came out from there, and they can be fine, and they can be themselves, and they can be independent. To me, it's a great opportunity. I have to work with them and help them. One time, somebody helped me, and I take it really, really serious. I take my job really serious to help. Depends what the needs of each person. How do you think HIV has changed you personally? I think this makes you more conscious. If I didn't came positive, I think I'd be like anybody else in the street, never learn about it and never be aware of this. I never knew anything about it before. I have a really young client who just been diagnosed, uh, no six months ago, she says to me the other day, you know, now that I'm positive, I see everything. I saw the flyers and the buses, and I saw the advertisements and the TV, and I saw take care of yourself, and I never see those before, and they're always there, and I never noticed them. 
I think it will be happen to me, and I probably have races like somebody else because I never knew what it is. I ne- probably never been informed about this. I'm living right now, and I know everything about it, and I what it is. I know how it affects you, how you get it. And before, I never know this. Nobody told me anything about it. So if I never became positive, I'd probably be just like anybody else in the street and ignorant about it. Do you have anything else that you want readers or listeners of your story to know? I just want to say, if you are positive, live a positive life and live a good life. If you are negative, please take care of yourself and educate yourself and don't come positive. Thank you so much. With that, we can wrap up this interview, but it's wonderful to speak with you again. And the best of luck with everything and your new baby and your work. Thank you. The opinions expressed by hosts or interviewees in this podcast do not constitute professional advice, should not be considered substitutes for professional services, and do not necessarily represent the opinions of Body Health Resources Corporation or its sponsors. Please see the full disclaimer online at thebody.com. If you have comments or questions, please contact us. Thanks for listening to This Positive Life. For more podcasts and other first-person stories, please visit us online at thebody.com. If you'd like to share your story, please email us at podcast at thebody.com.